Well, we're going to read God's Word this morning in two portions. The first is in the Gospel of John, John's Gospel, and in chapter 15. And then I'm going to read from the book of Galatians, Paul writing to the Galatians, and in chapter 5. So those two portions this morning. The first comes from John and in chapter 15. So let us hear God's word. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Well, we'll leave off reading just there and turn then to the book of Galatians, to chapter 5. And I'm going to begin to read at verse 16. So this is Galatians. Quite an argument, of course, in Galatians. So we're jumping into the passage at verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh 
with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And we thank God for the reading of his holy word. And we'll come back to that portion in John this morning. I don't know if you're into pictures. Many years ago, setting out as a newly married um, couple in life together, Chris and I determined that we would have many, many pictures. We had only just a, a few, one or two. Two um, are cells of our childhood, and so we decided that we would have many. And that was a day, of course, of camera and film of paper, paper photographs in an album and so on and so forth. And we did achieve, there are many photographs in our house, many, many photographs in our house, and so that's something that we did achieve. Our day is a different day. We all carry a camera around in one way or another, in the form of a mobile phone, I imagine, and uh, photographs proliferate, don't they? John has written a gospel. Um, he's also written three epistles, and he was granted then to write the book of Revelation. He is said to be the third most major writer of the New Testament. And in his gospel, John records for us a number of pictures that the Lord Jesus Christ used of himself. And so we've got those famous I am pictures. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And here in John and chapter 15, we have another one of these pictures. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. They're all helpful pictures that focus our minds on some aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he does for us. And so we're going to take, um, God willing, there this morning, a fairly brisk look into that picture of the vine. Now, I have to say at the outset, there's more in the picture that we're going to have time to be looking at this morning. So we're going to be trying to grasp the essence of the picture, and hopefully that will be helpful to us today. I'm going to use three headings, if I can. So I want to speak, first of all, of a picture so important. This is a really important picture. And we'll try and illustrate that from the timing that this picture was given and the people to whom the picture was granted. So a picture so important, a picture so incisive. And boys and girls, incisive is a word really that conjures up for us the idea. It's very, very helpful. It goes to the point. It tells us something that we really need to know. So a picture so incisive. And then thirdly, a picture so instructive. Because there's part of this picture that we perhaps don't immediately think of. It speaks too of the Father, you see, and it tells us something of the Father's dealings with us. So we're going to use those three headings this morning. First of all, a picture so important. John 14, 15, 16, and in addition, of course, chapter 17 are such wonderful chapters. And we are so privileged to have those chapters and to be allowed in to those conversations that took place. Not the final conversations between Jesus and his apostles, but very close to that. And then, of course, the conversation that takes place in what we sometimes refer to as the high priestly prayer. 
and we're able to ponder these pictures. And this morning, to ponder this picture, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. It's a picture just so important. And so last week, um, I got to help someone move to a new phone. And um, the, the, the one instruction that was so key and so important in all this was that they did not want to lose their pictures. And of course, sometimes you may be aware that when you move from one phone to another, you can lose all sorts of things. I'm pleased to report this morning that we didn't, well, I don't think, <laughs> I haven't heard that we've lost any, but I'm pleased to report that to the best of my knowledge, we didn't lose any photographs. This was key. This was of great importance. Notice this is a, a picture of great importance, a picture of great importance to us. The Lord Jesus Christ is about to depart. He's about to make his way to the cross. He's about to leave his disciples. There will be other conversations following his resurrection. There will be other times when he meets, but they'll be somewhat restricted from what we are able to read. And this is a very important conversation that he's now having with his disciples. And in this conversation, he's emphasizing the importance of their union with him. I am the vine, you are the branches, he's going to say. You sometimes hear of someone being off-grid. We have little ones that we look after, and one of the little ones, he loves to watch YouTubes of people camping in the middle of nowhere. Now, where this has all come from, I don't really know, but that's the matter of fact. And so sometimes we're sitting there watching, and they're very, very interesting indeed. But sometimes you hear of people, don't you, and that they're off-grid. They live off-grid. In other words, they live out in the wild. They're not connected to water. They're not connected to sewage or to gas or to telephone or to electricity. They're off-grid. This passage is very much reminding us that we need to be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the vine, the source of all spiritual life and well-being. And it's therefore of great, great importance that we be connected to him. Now, this isn't the first place in Scripture where we find reference to the vine. And there are different passages to which we could go this morning. I'm not going to take too much time with this. But in Isaiah in chapter 5, there's a passage there where we read of the, the Lord's vineyard. Let me sing for my beloved, my uh, love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines and so on. And really this is speaking of God's people here, but of their failure. To be the vine that they ought to have been. Their failure in terms of fruitfulness. The vine is all about fruitfulness. One commentator has written, the vine is an essentially utilitarian plant it exists to bear fruit and so this talk at home that we may make it to a garden center with one of the little ones on um, Tuesday apparently that's on my schedule for this week 
Um, I don't know whether we're going to be going around looking at plants or not, but you might well go around the garden centre and look at the plants and admire uh, one and all the rest of it. But the, 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 the vine is not really there to be admired in that way. It's about producing fruit. That word, utilitarian. Israel was planted as a vine. But sadly, in many, many ways, it failed. It was to be a light to the Gentiles, but it hadn't really been what it was intended to be. But the Lord Jesus says to us here, I am the true vine. He really is the vine. Now, there's a general truth here. Man, Adam, in turning from God in the Garden of Eden, has become fruitless. And we see that all around and about us, don't we? And we see what man has become as he's wandered away, as he's squandered away from God. He's become fruitless. Man lives, but he's at odds with God. And the image of God has so tragically become marred. And in a, a general sense, we can say that the only way for man to be restored to what he's intended to be is in connection with Jesus Christ. We sort of said that to the children there this morning. That man needs to be reconnected to God, but that can only be through Jesus Christ, the one who is the true vine. And we each of us, is that not the case, need to be returned to God in Jesus Christ. There's that wider truth at stake here. But notice that what we have in particular here is in reference to people already Christians. Notice that he's speaking here to the apostles in the first instance. Now that's quite surprising when you stop and think about that. You might think that given their position, that given their history, that given that they'd been with the Lord Jesus Christ for these three years, this isn't something that he would necessarily have to say to them. They were the closest to him. But this is a truth they needed to hear. And this is a truth we need to hear. The Lord Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. These aren't the last words Jesus had with his apostles, but there's something very significant about this conversation. He's saying that they needed, looking into the future, to be careful about their union with him, about their walk with him. And this truth covers us all. There are parts of John 14 and 15 and 16 that have a very um, specific application to the apostles and really only to the apostles. When he speaks about all the truth coming to them, there's a sense in which that really only applies to them. And yes, we're handed that truth on in the form of Holy Scripture, but it really, in, in a sense, specifically applies to them and only to them. But this wider truth not only applies to them, but it applies most definitely to us this morning. He's the vine, and we are the branches. And so there are two um, important things to say. It is that real branches are connected to the vine. Real branches are connected to the Savior. The thrust is that true branches abide in the vine and bear fruit. And they do so because they are 
connected. Jesus will say in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the branches bear fruit because they're connected, as it were, into the vine. They receive, to carry the picture through, sap, as it were, from the stem. And so, without being born again, without being part of the vine, without being connected to Jesus Christ, man can never be fruitful. But carry that on without abiding in the vine without that living relationship with the vine, day by day by day, we'll not be able to bear the fruit that we ought to be found bearing. There has to be a close dependence. Again, says the commentator, as a vine offshoot only bears fruit when it abides in the vine, so the believer will only bear fruit when he abides in Christ. And there's the reminder to the apostles here that they they weren't going to be self-sufficient. They weren't, as it were, going to be able to stand on their own two feet, if I can use that picture. They were going to need to depend. They were going to need to lean. They were going to need to be in touch with the Lord Jesus Christ, looking to him, resting on him, trusting in him. And that's something day by day by day. I'm sure we've all... Um, knowledge of folk perhaps we've been to a wedding and perhaps we we saw this relationship start and it started so wonderfully well and the wedding day was so exciting and everyone was overjoyed and then we hear some tragic news of a marriage gone wrong and here was a, a love affair here were people who loved each other here were people taken with one another but whatever happened and that love has now gone the Christian is reminded that he needs to be in that close day by day relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ a picture so important but a picture secondly so incisive and don't be put off by that word I simply mean that in this picture the Lord Jesus Christ takes us very swiftly and decisively to the issue And so there's not a proliferation of words here, and we wonder where he's going. He takes us very quickly to the issue. I'm the vine. You're the branches, he says. And he he wants to speak to us then about fruitfulness. And it's that theme of fruit or fruitfulness that we need to be be picking up on. And notice that the the farmer, and we'll mention um, the the father in, in, in this, very shortly we're told my father is the vine dresser. Notice that the, the farmer in this, he, he's not interested um, in sort of sidestepping his business and taking people around to admire the vines as such. This business is about producing fruit. He wants fruit on the branches. And so the Lord Jesus Christ highlights this angle of fruit or fruitfulness. He's saying that true branches are connected. And how do we know they're connected? Well, very simply, says the Lord Jesus, they bear fruit. That's the purpose of the branches. 
That's true in a wider way, isn't it? It doesn't matter what we do in life, we need to do it. And so if you treat French or if you drive a bus or if you paint houses, well, you need to get on and do it. That's what you do. These branches needed to bear fruit. There needed to be a fruitfulness to them. Fruitfulness is something that God expects. We're very familiar with the parable of the the seeds, uh, the parable of the sower, sometimes the name that it goes by. But you uh, remember in, in uh, Matthew in chapter 13 that we're, we're told um, of the distinguishing characteristic of the person who truly receives God's word, who truly comes to be the Christian, as it were. We're told, as for what was sown, verse 23 of Matthew in chapter 13, on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another case sixty, and in another thirty. There's no getting away from it. The Christian is someone marked out by the fact that he produces fruit. And that's very much the focus of what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here, fruit. We might ask, well, what kind of fruit? You might want to think, well, is he talking about conversion? He's talking to the apostles. He's about to leave them. Is he talking about conversion? Well, certainly um, conversion is something that we look for, isn't it? And, you know, copies of Evangelical Times distributed and so on. You're looking to make contact with folk. And conversion is something that we certainly look for. We look for it in the hearts of our little ones, don't we? But not always are God's servants blessed with days of conversion. There's the story of um, William Carey, and he goes out to India, and he's there for seven years, and nothing happens. How hard must that have been? Now, eventually, something does happen, of course, but for seven years, he sees nothing, apparently. The Lord Jesus Christ saw comparatively little in his own day. He was largely spurned and rejected to pick up the language of Isaiah in chapter 53. But there's no mistaking the fruitfulness of godliness. And isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ is getting at here? These men, if they were going to be fruitful in their labors, needed to be fruitful in their Lives, And that's why we read from Galatians in chapter 5 this morning. And it's a very powerful and searching warning that we've got in Galatians in chapter 5. And yes, there's a particular argument and debate, as it were, being voiced there in the book of Galatians. But he speaks, doesn't he, the apostle, of the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. Against such there is no law. There's no arguing, says Paul, with this kind of fruitfulness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. As God the Spirit takes of the things of Jesus and applies them to us and makes us like Jesus. Again, says the commentator, the fruitfulness of believers is part and parcel of the way the Son glorifies the Father. That's quite searching. Let's have that again. 
the fruitfulness of believers is part and parcel of the way the Son glorifies the Father. It's the great work of the Spirit of God in the Christian to produce a likeness to Jesus Christ. And those characteristics that we've just read of there in Galatians, those are the, the, the fruits that God, as it were, is looking for in the Christian's heart and life. It's important to notice. Notice verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The word there is in the present tense, actually a participle. And so it carries the idea of something that's enduring and continuous. I'm very much hoping that my grass cutting is over for 2023. The other day we managed to miss putting the brown bin out, but we caught it this week, so that was good. But I'm hoping that my grass cutting has come to an end for this year. We're very much tied, aren't we, into the seasons in this part of the world. And we're used basically to just one crop, where other parts of the world can know and enjoy multiple crops. But the Lord Jesus Christ says here that this fruit that he looks for is continuous. And so this isn't something simply for the Lord's day that other Christians can see it. This isn't something perfectly timed for the flower show so that there's an exhibition at the right time, at the right moment. This isn't flowers put out because guests are coming or it's some special occasion. This is a continuous fruitfulness. And it's a pretty searching question for us this morning. What does my life exhibit? What does my life demonstrate? What does my life show? And you read that fruit of the Spirit mentioned there in Galatians and chapter 5, and it's pretty searching stuff. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. A picture so important, a picture so incisive. But a picture, thirdly, so instructive. Now, there is more to this picture of the vine and the branches than we can deal with properly this morning. But notice that in addition to being told that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true vine, we're told that the Father is the vine dresser. The Father is very, very interested in fruit that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the branches that demonstrates the glory of God. This is no side business. This is the core enterprise, the production of fruit. So we're told here that the Father is the gardener. Christ is the source of growth and fruitfulness, but it's at the Father's behest and concern, and it's the Father who watches over the plant. The word that's used here for the vine dresser, the idea of a, a gardener, really, in the Old Testament um, translation into to Greek, this is the word that's used of Noah. And you remember that Noah planted a vineyard. Well, this is the word that's used there in translating from the Hebrew into the Greek for Noah. Noah planted a vineyard. The father um, is eternally, as it were, the gardener. And he longs over his vine. And he longs over his people. He longs over his church to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The concern is all about growth. It's what the Father is about. It's about growth and fruitfulness. It's not theoretical gardening. This is about very much practical gardening. And the Father looks for the output in our lives. That yes, we can speak of being Christians, but that we look like Christians. And that our lives are lived to his praise and honor and to his glory. All of this is bound up with his glory. And it reminds us that there is this need to grow in our lives, in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I always think it's a very interesting thing that, you know, it's Peter who seemed to make so many stumblings in the gospel accounts. He seems to get so many things wrong. And, but it's Peter who seems to learn the lesson that we need to grow. And that seems to be the focus in his first epistle and in his second epistle. And he's very much concerned that Christians should grow. And so First Peter chapter 2, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk that you may by it grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And he's anxious for Christians to grow and to exhibit um, you know, fruits that are the praise and honor and glory of, of God. He'll say in chapter, further, further down in chapter 2, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Peter is anxious for Christians to be what they ought to be. He wants them to grow. He'll say at the end of his second letter, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What will that growth look like? Well, we've already sort of spelt it out by reading there in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. But what will that growth look like? It will lead us to be made to look more like Jesus. So Paul writes, doesn't he? It's there, the end of um, 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. Turn the pages here. But it's the end of 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. It's the 18th verse and we, we read there. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And it's the great work of the Spirit of God to take of the life of Jesus, to take of the likeness of Jesus, to take of the holiness of Jesus, and to bring that into our lives and to bring about that fruit that is to his glory and honor and praise. And notice just one further thing. Notice that the Father, so vitally interested in all of this, we're told that he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, there are branches, it seems, apparent connections. We haven't sort of developed that this morning for the sake of time. But he takes away. But concentrate on the genuine branches. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Sometimes we wonder what's going on in our lives and sometimes there are troubles and difficulties and hardships and difficult things to face up to and sometimes we wonder what it is that God is doing. God is vitally interested in causing us to grow. God is vitally interested in fruit in our lives. And some of the happenings in our lives can surely only be explained in this way, that God sometimes brings enormous difficulties. That we learn, that we grow, that we're pushed on, that we come to an end of ourselves that we realize and recognize anew and afresh how much we need him. I mentioned the grass. My gardening activities in our household are really confined to the grass because anything else I trust is, I touch is usually a disaster. But I can remember many, many years ago when we lived in Essex and there were in the front garden of our house some rose bushes going out and attempting to do something with the rose bushes. One of the elders from the church that we belonged to at the time was walking from his daughter's house and he was passing. And he stopped. And he stopped and he actually picked up on this passage and talked about it briefly. And then he gave me a few tips as to how to do this properly. I've never forgotten we don't have any roses now, for which I'm probably quite glad, if I'm going to be honest. But he gave me a, a few tips. Evidently, I was not doing it right. Dear Christian friends, sometimes we wonder if God is doing it right. But he is. He is. And I remind you this morning, he's set on growth. He wants us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, can I say to you this morning how crucial to belong to the vine, to truly be a Christian this morning. To truly be in touch with Jesus Christ, to be connected to him. To know that you truly need him. But dear Christian, how Important to be connected with that vine day by day by day. To be persuaded of what the Lord Jesus Christ says here when he says, without me you can do nothing. That's a truth that we're prone to let slip. We're prone to let that one slide. We can become a little self-sufficient. But how much we need to be in touch with the Saviour the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the true vine. I'm the vine, says Jesus. Let's get this straight. You are the branches. Our gracious God, our loving Father in heaven, 
We acknowledge to you there this morning how much that we need you. We thank you for those words of the Lord Jesus when he makes so clear he is the true vine. He is the source of all real spiritual nourishment and growth. And how much that we need the Saviour, Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that you would cause each and every one of us to look to him. But we pray that you would help us that day by day, that we might walk, that we might depend, that we might lean, not to our own understanding, not in our own self-sufficiency, but rather, O oh God, that we may rest and trust in the Saviour, that there may be that fruit to your honour and glory and praise in our lives. And now may grace, mercy and peace from God the Father, from God the Son and from God the Holy Spirit be your portion this day and evermore. Amen.